Good, Good morning. morning. My uh, youngest son, Ben, went to uh, Harvard Law School. And I admit that I have found myself a few times beaming, well, maybe even boasting, something like, well, my son, who went to Harvard Law School, along with Rutherford B. Hayes and Barack and Michelle Obama, and John, John Roberts, Roberts and, and Antonio Scalia, Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and, and Mitt Romney, to name, to name a few. Now, I was at the Harvard, the Harvard Bookstore, that is, uh, for his graduation, and so I loaded up. And there are a lot of benefits that come with going to Harvard, so in my case, it was the T-shirt. Well, well, in, in this case, case, the hat, and I got, I got the sweatshirt, sweatshirt and some stickers that said Harvard as well. Now, I couldn't actually personally get into Harvard if my life depended on it, but I've got the gear. And what I'm talking this morning is about identity, an identity to brag about. My point in this little personal vignette is simply this that we are all in something. We're all in something is one of life's basic realities. Let me illustrate from Scripture. Galatians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul is addressing the church in Galatia. He says this, For you have heard of my previous way of life, Notice, Notice the text, text in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. You see, what was Paul in? He was in Judaism. This was his identity. Judaism shaped his life. And, and this was, was the source of his boasting up until that time. Paul then sets out his Harvard pedigree in the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 4, uh, B through 6, I'll read 4, B through 6. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh or in themselves or in their, or in their uh, accomplishments, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, there goes his Judaism again, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And then he shifts gears in verses 8 and 9 of the same chapter, and he says this, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Notice, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and, here we go, here's our language, be found in Him. Not, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith, here it is, 
in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. You see, found in Him, in Christ, when He came to Christ, He understood His life, His identity to be in Christ. Now, for the next few weeks, the shepherds and uh, myself are inviting you to reflect on who you are, or maybe we could say what you are into. Why? Well, for one, every year, I fear that Easter will simply be a nice holiday, a distant memory. And as the chocolate disappears and the last egg becomes an egg salad sandwich, we'll only remember Easter in the rearview mirror. And I see the way that that Easter, Good Friday to Easter, shaped Jesus, shaped the disciples, shaped the early church, and I believe the Bible Jesus himself is inviting for it to shape us. Good Friday and Easter became what the earlier followers were into. Clearly, it became their defining identity. And I want it to drive your life and mine, to set your orientation, to set your hopes, to set your dreams. In other words, if you have to prioritize what your life is about, as I believe the early believers did, then they continue to live and relive Easter. It is what they were into. So with me for just a moment, turn to Romans chapter 6 and just a couple of verses. Verses 3 and 4 of this section in Romans where Paul is describing an old identity, and a new identity. And the Bible says this in verse 3, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, there's the language, were baptized into His death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The passage teaches us that something transformative happens in our baptism. There is an identification with Christ. And as the text says in our baptism, we identify, first of all, with His death, with Good Friday. Just, just as he died, died we die. And, and just then, as he was raised, we too are raised. We are baptized into his death and his resurrection. And before our baptism, before we knew Jesus, we were into something. And after we came to know him, we were or are into something else. We live in a new Christ Jesus reality. And so Paul reminds the Romans of their baptism, not 
only because it was the beginning of their life in Christ, the start of their forgiveness, and because, but because it expressed the lifestyle that characterizes the person who is into Christ. A lifestyle of Good Friday to Easter, a lifestyle of dying and rising. What Christ did in His dying and rising, I want us to hear this, we do. This is our new identity, as the text says, so that we might live a new life. Now, to bring this home this morning, I want to give you a picture. I want to give you a mental map, and we'll be using this mental map for the next few weeks. A mental map of living like Jesus as a lifestyle of dying and rising. I'm calling it the J-curve lifestyle. And the title, the J-curve, is based upon this concept in a book by Paul Miller. Let me just say a few things about how Paul Miller might describe the J-curve. First of all, as we see in the di diagram, the J-curve is any of a variety of J-shaped diagrams where a curve initially falls and then steeply rises above the starting point. And the concept was not originated by Paul Miller. In fact, it has been used in economics and medicine for years. So we're applying it to our spiritual walk. And I suggest that this idea of the J-curve is a driving metaphor, can be a driving metaphor for much of your life. And so my hope is that the term, the J-curve, will be, will, be, will be memorable. So you'll be able to think about it throughout the day. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just like the letter J. It's one of my favorite. I guess it has something to do with my name. That would be a bit obvious, right? Now, my mother really liked the letter J. She named her children accordingly. Jeff, Jill, Jeannie, John, and Joel. Of course, the J also reminds me of Jesus. Jesus and his lifestyle. And here's the thing, we think in pictures, we learn in pictures, we live day to day in pictures. And this picture of the J-curve aligns with the gospel story. The life of Christ on earth was a J-curve. He died to himself so that others might find life. He did it again and again and again. This was the structure, this was the roadmap, this is what he was teaching his disciples that finally led to the ultimate J, his death and his burial and his resurrection, where he humbled himself and was raised up by God. And so this becomes the pat pattern of the followers of Jesus. And I believe that if we can begin to see it, see the Bible this way, see our lives this way, see one another this way, this new way of seeing and living out the gospel story, we'll be able to, we'll be able to wear it in new ways. By seeing the scripture and by seeing uh, Jesus, by looking at the way Paul teaches about this idea of the J-curve, we'll begin to see that it's everywhere.
and every day. Remember the great central passage of uh, the New Testament in Philippians chapter 2, and we'll come back to this in, in a few weeks, but in verses 8 and 9, I just, it's, it's right there at the heart of the New Testament. Remember verse 8 says, and, and being found, this is speaking about our Lord Jesus, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This was the going down on the J-curve. And then verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Paul lays out the J-curve, the mental map, to help the Philippians shape their life and to help us as well. And by, I hope, by giving us language, by uh, giving us this picture, we'll be amazed at the way God can work through our own J-curve lifestyle. Now, Paul Miller tells the story about his 11th grade daughter and her friend. They were uh, benched while on the field hockey team. And the coach was clearly playing favorites. There was no other explanation. And I suspect that any one of us who has played sports or has had children who have played sports or grandchildren who played sports, knows this scene, don't we? And it's frustrating, particularly when the coach is playing favorites and it's at the expense of your child. If you are, to use my identity term of the morning, in sports, this is maddening. Somewhere between maddening and infuriating. And you see, many parents think life is sports. Well, Miller runs into a, one of the parents on, of uh, one of the other kids on the team at the gym, and, and, and she says to him, I, I can't believe what the coach is doing with Emily and her friend. And I want you to listen to how Miller responded. He said, I'm thankful Emily has this low-level suffering on my watch. Because life is more like sitting on the bench than starring in a game. And he said that there was a shock on the mom's face like she had met a Martian. And Miller understood that the J-curve, and he was happy for his daughter to be introduced to it too. You see, the, con the question is constantly and repeatedly before each one of us. Are you in sports? Or are you in Christ? Or said another way, are you on a self or 
success, failure, performance track like Paul was before his conversion? Or are you on the J-curve? And you see, the invitation is to die to one identity in something, Harvard, sports, country, comfort, ethnicity, feelings, which in fact I believe that feelings have become the dominant shaper of the 21st century identity, career, money, self, or how are you in the new identity, a union with Jesus Christ. We're called to live in the J-curve, moment by moment. So baptism is this amazingly wonderful beginning. And I want to extend an invitation to you. If you, as a believer in Jesus, now that you have faith, to be baptized, to get started by obeying Jesus, just as He was baptized, you need to be too. You need to be immersed into Him to die and rise with Him. And so I extend an invitation this morning. And then for those of us who have gone in underwater and come out again, maybe years ago, maybe more recently, you now have this identity in Christ. And I want you to see that every day is a baptism, a living out of your dying and your rising. And so here is the invitation to you to begin to look at your life through this J-curve mental map. To take on this new identity, daily dying and rising Good Friday and Easter with Jesus. And I believe, we'll see where God takes it, but I believe as you do, you will thank God for His great wisdom. You see, this is the path of the abundant life showcased by Jesus and by those who are His true followers. I pray you'll respond to this message today. Hi everyone, my name is Katie Buckland. For those of you who don't know me, I am a first year occupational therapy student at WashU and I'm from Iowa, so I'm a Midwesterner. And Jeff approached me to answer the question of why I decided to devote my life to Christ again and become baptized. And when he approached me, I was a little bit nervous, I have to admit, because I just kind of was like, oh, it was cool. Like, I wasn't really thinking that my story was special. But some advice I received from a friend was that my story can be inspirational for people, even when I don't think it is. And so for a little bit of context, I was baptized when I was about a month old. And I was very glad that I had that experience. And I was involved in my church back home and did Bible school, Sunday school, praise team, 
basically I was involved in almost everything, which I really enjoyed. And a little bit later in college, I was kind of going through some personal stuff at home and kind of was distancing myself more from church and just kind of focusing on other things and had a lot of kind of difficult things happen. And I just was disagreeing with stuff that was going on at my church. And so I kind of just stepped away completely. And I knew that the next time I get back involved with church, I had to, it had to be with a place where I felt like there was a family. And so I found Axe and got involved with them and met AJ and Susan and kind of just really felt like this was my faith home and they call it an Axe family and it's a very true thing. And I just felt this kind of voice that I'd been ignoring for a little bit. And I kind of realized after reading the Bible more with AJ and getting more education on baptism that it was God. And he was kind of telling me that I was I was ready and I had the strength to make the decision to devote my life to him if I wanted to. And I educated myself more and just really felt like I was called to. And I just dove in, literally dove in with a baptismal. But I just really felt like it was the right time. And I felt that I needed to help myself forgive some transgressions that I'd done in the past. And I wasn't letting myself do that. And I knew that if God can forgive me, then I can forgive myself. And so I decided to get baptized. And I feel like I do feel different in the sense that I feel close to God and I have a good faith family and I'm able to live a Christ-centered life now. And I hope... Maybe my story can inspire others to get baptized. Thanks, guys.